knowing what to eat is the easy part. Actually doing it is where people struggle. What you do after the diet is just as important as the diet itself. Focus on food quality for health and food quantity for weight loss. Patience is the least utilised tool in most diets. I don't mind a superfood salad, but I prefer pizza. Don't throw the kitchen sink at it. Pick a training method you enjoy. That's the advice. Generally, most people don't lift heavy enough. Think of me as the Alan Partridge of the fitness industry. If you haven't thought about your death row meal, then we can't be friends. Welcome to the Not Another Fitness Podcast with myself, Andy, and across from me on Zoom. Amy Rambo Ramsend. Beautifully done, keeping it simple, keeping it concise. I feel like that's how people know me now. I think I think it's like James Amy Bond. Rambo Ramshead. That's how I'm gonna have to introduce myself to people. The name's Ramshead. Rambo well, Ramshead. People, you call me Rambo. So I feel like unless unless I say my name, people don't know my name. I think, you know, it all it's works, like those it? well, it's like those people that have never seen me without a hat. There are literally clients I have that have never seen me without a hat. So you do, it's, you do like a hat. You brought it in to the, the rotation and it never left. No. Lots of different hats, though, which I oh, appreciate. I do have many different hats, many different hats. All coordinated to <laughs> suit, which again, I do, I do appreciate. We love, we, love a, we love an outfit, don't we, Andy? We love a layer, in your case. <laughs> I, yeah, mine's more practicality than anything else. Just trying to stay warm. Whereas Rambo's has got a burgeoning career in gym fashion ahead. I feel like that's the next, that's the next podcast. It's not even just gym fashion. It's fashion. I just generally love clothes. Yeah. Generally love clothes. And regardless of what I'm doing during the day, they just, they just fit the activity. I just so happen to have picked a career where I get to wear active wear all day. So this let's is, make it trendy. It's yeah, it's yeah, that's it. You're, you're like on a one woman mission. So I bet you're loving it that over, was it over lockdown? Like the, the sales of like gym wear, of essentially lounge wear, lounge slash gym wear went through the roof. Because yeah. people are like, I, what am I dressing up for? Yeah. It's just, there's nowhere to go. I, it's some, I don't like thinking about how much my active wear collection is probably worth. How much do you reckon, mate? Oh, thou- like thousands, thousands. I'm not even joking. Bear in mind that my main two brands are Sweaty Betty and Lululemon. Yeah, that's um, foolish. Thousands. You should get up to Northwell Market, mate, get yourself a couple of bargains. <laughs> Sorry, that's cracked. What are you laughing at? I used to love Northwell Market as a kid. They did great bacon sandwiches. Mate, if you for listeners that have stuck with us all the way through, I mean, there was an episode where I discussed my brief spell wearing a leather waistcoat, and that was from uh, Northwell Market. <laughs> That's very true. Absolute very steal true. it was. Absolute very steal. True. Well, probably, it literally probably was stolen, to be fair. You know, I was just thinking I could probably get Lululemon and Sweaty Betty at Northwell Market, to be fair. The yeah, labels but, will be cut out. But... Yeah, it'll be like Lulu Lime or something. <laughs> Sweaty, sweaty Hetty. I was, oh, was going to go Sweaty Barry, but we're on the same wavelength. Barry's a bit more Essex. Yes. My mum is going to be pissing herself at this. <laughs> Jane, I hope you're laughing your head off. You're going to love like, that. I feel like some kind of parody clothing line called Sweaty Barry is uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dab on Barry. Bead on Barry. That's quite a good one. Oh, mate, 
like, oh, this has tickled me. Right. Set, set up a website, Rambo. We need to kind of pattern that straight away. <laughs> oh, mate. Love you. Love right. you. That's well, brilliant. there's the title of the podcast sorted out. Oh, I've got another hat just here, actually. You can't wear two hats, Rambo. That's <laughs> ridiculous. You know, I'm sorry. All bets are off now. You said sweaty yeah. Barry. I can yes. do whatever I want. <laughs> How have you been, mate? Oh, mate, I've been brilliant. That's the biggest laugh I've had in a while. Um, no, I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm really good. Uh, we well, very nice weekend, very chilled. Um, yeah, no news really, mate. We only recorded on Sunday. So this I'll is true. Then. Let me let me help you out. How was your lunch? Oh, lunch was delightful. Shout out to the Sourdough Toaster in Eat 17 in Bishop Stortford. Those regular listeners or listeners who are local to Bishop Stortford will know about how Andy and I love Eat 17, and particularly the sourdough toaster. It was delightful, wonderful as always. So thank you, Colin, at the sourdough toaster. I had scrambled eggs, smoked salmon, one slice of sourdough, vine roasted tomatoes and mushrooms if you follow me on instagram there's a beautiful picture there amy just seamlessly slips into ms food voice for that every single time I just can't help it by the way are you on first name terms now colin is that the oh head? me and colin yeah you see the head honcho there. absolutely yeah he's the nicest guy in the world absolutely lovely isn't he if, if we have to wait over 45 minutes he always slips us in a hash brown he's a good egg <laughs> What Real an absolute good legend. Egg. Yeah, Colin's yeah. super friendly. I like cool. him a lot. Yes. How are you? Not bad. Uh, we had, uh... <laughs> so we left on Sunday. We left listeners with you and Max screaming your house down. Yeah, well, Rambo, funny you should bring that up. Uh, mm. That was probably the worst night in terms of getting him to go to sleep. I can't, I can't remember the last time we had a... And not that bad. And um, what did that mean for you on Tuesday morning, mate, which is your first day back in the gym? Right. As much as I'd love to blame Max for this, this is nothing to do with him <laughs> and everything to do with me. I slept in on Tuesday morning, mate, and I missed my first client of the day, Penny. I'm and shaking my head right now. We're both shaking our head actually at the same time. Uh, yeah, I haven't done that for ever. Yes, you have. I haven't done it at that gym. Oh, have you not? So that must be, that's five or six years. I'm sure I did it at Great Dunmo where I was going out drinking back in the early days. Um, but yeah, so I was, I was quite tired when I went to bed. And my last, the last thing I can remember thinking was, God, I feel really tired. I better set my alarm. And that's the last memory I have. And then I woke up in the, actually, I didn't wake up in the morning. Sarah woke me up. She was like prodding me. And she was like, should you be at work now? <laughs> I like went to reach over to my phone, realized it wasn't there because I was lying on top of it. That's not a good sign. Obviously got it out and was like, oh, it's 20 past six or whatever it was. And my session started at 6 a.m. So yeah, that wasn't good. I mean, oh, I felt dreadful. It completely threw me for the start of the day. So you start... were just chasing your tail for the rest of the day. I just you? felt terrible. And like Penny Physically and it. mentally. Yeah, more mentally, to be honest. Um, uh, so I saw Penny because she'd obviously stayed and, and like done her or done a session. Um, 
and knowing Penny, who's like one of the sweetest, nicest people you will ever meet, she was genuinely worried about me. Mm. So she wasn't annoyed that I hadn't turned up. She was like, oh my God, you know, something's wrong. Something's gone, something's wrong with Max or something like that. So I felt, I felt bad on all levels, basically. Um, but luckily she forgave me and I'm training her tomorrow morning at 6am. No, Hopefully I so. if I wake up, which I will, I'll be there, Penny. I'll be there. Bless you. Bless you. Yeah. It's horrible. That feeling, isn't it? When you like that whole shit moment. Uh, and it's not even like, it's just like the session's done. Then if you wake up 20 minutes into it, it's not like now if you're late for work, like a normal work, you get in late. Oh, I'll stay a bit late. I'll make it up. Can't really do that. With it doesn't PC. work like that. Doesn't yeah. work like that, doesn't mate? Yeah. Shame. So. Shame. So yeah. So I mean, I could have blamed Max and said he was awful all night and I was up all night, but actually he slept all the way through. So I haven't even got that <laughs> as an excuse that night. But that Sunday when we recorded, oh, that was dreadful. That was like literally we had to bring him downstairs. It was that bad. Oh, bless and you. And that never happens. That's crap. Yeah, fair play. So we we both had a go. Like Sarah was trying for about an hour. Well, we, basically the entire podcast last oh. week, Sarah was trying to put him down. So then I took over. Um, I can you know, the funny thing is that like, so like if you're, I mean, it's like torture, right? So you, what you need to do, if it was both of you there, you take turns. So like your will gradually gets ground down. And then just when you're at breaking point, you swap and then you go again. So Sarah done about an hour, fair play. I did about 20 minutes and I was like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> like, Because normally at least there's some kind of like calming down and you're like, okay, it's getting better. He's setting a bit. This was just like, nah, I'm screaming in your face. I'm hot. I'm coughing. So yeah, but Sarah eventually worked her magic and uh, yeah, he went to sleep at about 9 p.m. Oh, mate, not yeah. ideal. We had a curry in the oven as well. Oh, see, that. I mean, there's a lot I'd do for, for my kid. My, <laughs> You'd be like. My, but I wouldn't sacrifice a curry. <laughs> I mean, I the, obviously don't have kids. the curry, to be fair, it held together pretty well. The chapati that I put in to keep it warm, I mean, that thing was like a frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> that thing could have been used as a lethal weapon. That wasn't so good. Did you eat it, though? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that goes without saying. Brilliant, mate. It Brilliant. basically turned into a fat poppadom by the time I, I ate it. I mean, I'd whack my curry on there and, use, there and use it as a pizza base, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I kind of did. I was yeah. just using it as some kind of makeshift spoon, shoveling oh. it in my... Because by that point, I was so hungry. I mean, I can't even remember what the curry was like because I basically <laughs> inhaled it. Hot, actually. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, like... hot. Uh, oh, yeah. mate. But anyway, hey, what can you do? Uh, can sorry, you Penny. Do? This is my official public apology to Penny. Um, Bless yeah. her. She'll appreciate that. I hope so. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. So we've got quite a lot to get through, mate. We have. Because we're bloody organised and prepared. We've got a lot uh, to get through. As always. Um, I will let you kick off as is, this is your contribution for the first half of the pod. This is my contribution. Um, I wanted to come up with some practical advice um for people who are on a weight loss journey or dieting or currently thinking about dieting and um mainly through conversations that i've been having with clients things that i've been seeing online um no i don't want to use the phrase pain points because that's awful but the main uh, issues let's say that i seem to 
go over a lot with people that struggle with consistency when they're trying to diet or lose body fat. So this section of the pot is called, I feel like we need a jingle here, Andy. Anything, anything you want to come up with on the spot? I was just going to say, no. you're looking at me like I'm about to break to some kind of beatbox. That's oh, not, no? that, not going to happen. No, sorry. I need a new co-host. Okay, so <laughs> this is going to be called Five Things Successful Dieters Do. Okay, um, I'm just going to run with this and kick off and I'd love to hear your take on it. I'd love to hear if you think if you would do anything differently or if there's anything you think that probably needs a little bit more um, emphasis or importance. Okay. So um, the first thing I have put, Oh, and I just want to kind of set this up a little bit as well. So this, for example, is you started a diet, you are maybe using some kind of tracking, whether it is a food diary or whether it is an app on a phone or whether it is just a calculator to monitor your calories throughout the day. There are many different ways of monitoring your food intake, but this implies that you are dieting. You know what calories you have to hit to maintain a deficit. You know what protein goal ideally you should hit and you are monitoring your food intake. Okay, so the first one I would say is plan plan, plan. And when I say plan, I don't just mean like that day. I mean the next day. I mean, possibly what you're going to do at the weekend. I mean, take an overall aerial view of how your week is going to look as a whole. You're not fucking Cinderella. You don't turn into a pumpkin at midnight. Okay. You, you are not the consequence of what you do in any one day. You are not that meme that goes, I ate a salad and now I'm just expected to lose weight. Okay. So you have to think of diet as your diet as a fat, like as a whole. And I, we use a week because it's good to have some kind of, some kind of time frame. So think about your week as a whole, generally during the week, Monday to Friday, people have very set structures and routines and it's the weekend where things tend to go all right. But people are going back to work. There's more social occasions during the week. People maybe have meetings, um, meetings with clients, events. So things need to be planned in. And when I say plan your week as a whole, have a look at your week, assess what's going on. Is there anything A-list? Is there your husband's birthday, your birthday, a wedding, anything that you would count as the absolute Oscars of your week, month, six months that needs to be prioritized? Are you going to be drinking any alcohol? Does that need to be factored in? Because we know that alcohol calories count. Are you going out for anywhere for dinner? Can you look at the menu? Are there any high fat, high sugar, high salt, any less than optimal uh, hypercalorific foods that you would like to include in that week. If there is, plan those in. And successful dieters do this by planning these in on a Monday, especially if they're going out for something like a burger and chips on a Saturday. You can absolutely do that and still lose weight, but you need to know what you're working with. And if not, it can very, very easily um, take you out of a deficit. So successful dieters have a plan. They plan their week out as a whole. They know when they go to bed that night, what they're generally going to be eating the next day. Um, they plan their protein intake in. So the night before, they'll plan maybe all their meals for the next day, roughly. They will definitely plan in their protein intake. So they know that they're going to hit whatever number they need to hit for protein. 
um, whether it's 100, 120, 140 grams, they know where their protein sources are coming from. Therefore, they are prepared. They maybe put that stuff in the fridge. They get the Tupperware out. They have the stuff to hand so they know if they need to take anything with them. And then lastly, when I say plan, I mean, and I, this sounds a bit counterintuitive because I've just said plan, plan, plan. But I mean, they're flexible with their calories. So even if they do have a plan, say, for example, someone says, oh, um, uh, do you want to go out for a coffee and they or maybe they buy you a cake or they buy you a muffin or something like that? You, you having that plan enables you to look at your intake throughout that week and respond to that request without actually being able to have that fear of, no, I can't have this because it's going to take me out of my deficit and then I won't be losing weight. It allows you to respond a little bit more intuitively going, do you know what? If I eat X, Y, Z, I know my proteins hit. I cannot eat that tomorrow because I've already planned that in. And you know what? I do actually really want that cake or piece of chocolate. So I'm going to take that then. And it actually allows you a little bit more of flexibility. Okay. Um, do you have, that's my first thing that successful dieters do is plan. Andy's just jotting down some no notes furiously as I'm doing that. So uh, what would you like to add, mate? Yeah, there's a lot to cover there. Um, so completely uh, agree in terms of planning is generally a good thing um how far you plan ahead so one of the things i jotted down was just like why one week why plan ahead a week so i think there is this will vary from person to person but there's generally like a little bit of a sweet spot and i think a week is kind of that for most people because if you try and if you I think the more experience you get with dieting and being like taking a more flexible approach, you can kind of roll with it from day to day because your knowledge about foods maybe is a little bit uh, more in depth. You will, you'll already uh, have like good habits instilled. So you don't need to really think about hitting protein because you just kind of do. It's kind of what you do. So you can shift things around, maybe grab a bar on the go, uh, maybe knock a shake up, something like that. And, and yeah, you've been doing it for a while. So it's kind of intuitive. It's just, it's, programmed in when you start like like you set the scene there is like when you start dieting and you start like a weight loss phase i think if you take a week it gives you it's not so overwhelming like trying to plan a month in advance because i think life kind of happens and even within a week things can change but you kind of know at the start of the week what's happening the following weekend normally like the, again, there'll be exceptions to it, but generally you kind of have an idea. Um, again, maybe with work, even with work and things like that, generally you'll know what, like, so like me and you, Rambo, like if you asked us what we're doing um, next week, well, I'm on holiday, so not a lot, but generally speaking, we'd know like our diaries would be pretty set a week in advance. But if you, if you went a month in advance, it might yeah. look a little bit different, like different clients, different times of day. So our eating um, options will be a little bit different and we might have to like tweak, tweak things accordingly. So a week's a good period of time. It's not too overwhelming, but it's enough to keep you kind of honest and on track. And it's good. It's a good habit to be in as well. Just looking yeah. at, looking at the week of a, as a whole, and maybe you don't have to program every last calorie in, but I think like you just said, mate, protein and knowing where that's coming from is a good idea. I think main meals in the evening, that's a good idea because that's a really good opportunity to get, uh, vegetables and kind of slightly more nutrient dense food um, into the diet 
so yeah, it just it works quite well. And in terms of in terms of protein, I think whether you adopt a, a great so like for people who are a little bit more advanced and maybe have used Fitness Pal for a little bit longer, I think using gram targets is is absolutely fine. If you're kind of new to trying to get protein into the diet, I think you can look at servings of protein. So that might involve a coach kind of just telling you what they are, you know, like a chicken breast, a scoop of whey protein, a serving of Greek yogurt, like knowing like how much you'll need. And once you've got like five or six of like your go-tos, you can be like, right, okay, I'm going to get three of those, four of those each day and like rotate around. But just if you're, I think protein intake is one of the thing, one of those things that comes up time and time again, because it does have such a, a disproportionately positive effect when you up it from, you know, 40, 50 grams a day. If you can get to the, if you can get to three servings a day, I think for most people, that's like a massive win. And for those that are training a bit harder, you try and aim for maybe the four, maybe five, if you're trying to maximize every last avenue of, of muscle protein synthesis. But yeah, it does have, it does have an effect. And if you're not used to eating like that and you just kind of revert back to your old habits, it's easy to get it right for a day or two and then fall off. So knowing what you're doing for a week, I think is a, is a smart move and planning it out um, will help for sure. Absolutely. And like, I, I have clients, I'm sure you're the same, like you see them on a Monday and the first, one of the first things I say to every client, if that's the first time I've seen them that week is, oh, how's your week looking? okay yeah okay yeah got this on this on like you generally know on a Monday how your week is looking um and like I said that plan does allow for that certain degree of flexibility as well so yeah um number two so number two on my list is I'm not don't want to ham this home too much because we talked about this a lot last week um they keep active outside of training so or they just keep active in general maybe they're not even training maybe they're not resistance training and um or they don't have any kind of um exercise that they stick to but they definitely try and keep active maybe walking is the only thing that they do 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 that always makes me laugh yeah i know me too (laughs) yeah um maybe that walking is the only thing that they do uh, but they are definitely active. So where there is an activity goal that they try and hit, whether it is a 10,000 steps a day or a 70,000 steps a week or a little bit more than that, again, doesn't have to be every single day. So look for those opportunities during the day to increase that activity. But again, this is something that if you've got a really sedentary job and you really cannot take any more steps to, uh, during the day, make it up at the weekend. Okay. Um, so looking that for those opportunities outside of exercise to really keep active. Um, that's pretty much all I want to say on that one, to be honest. Yeah. I know we spoke about it um, in the last episode or the one before, I mean, outside of, so let's put it this way you want to lose weight it's like day one and you're like right i'm going to make some changes where do i start if i didn't know the person if i was just told person x what would you do the first thing i'd get them to look at would be the diet in terms of like how many calories they're consuming so look to make an impact there and the second thing i'd do would be getting their general activity up so that so I think I said this in the last, in the last one, but so in terms of, if we're just looking at weight loss or losing body fat that sits above that will have a losing weight that'll have a bigger impact than formal training. Most likely if you can get it, if you can get it up. So by hook or by crook, try and do it. And it ha- it's, it's something that 
you can measure it in steps, but you can't. The people that the people that have an easier time losing weight, they just move. They're just fidgeters. They just they're on when they're on the phone, they're walking and moving around the house. Things like that. Yeah, they just can't sit still. They have an easier time when it comes to weight loss because they are hardwired to do that. And if you're not hardwired to do that, you have to make a conscious effort to do that. So being aware of it and maybe how, like the the like, what do you say last time? Was it the difference between being busy and being active? Oh yeah. So you can be incredibly busy without being incredibly active. So just think about that and just yeah. Again, this could be done in your planning a week um, framework. Yeah. Like actually, once you put in sleep and work suddenly it's like oh i'm not moving at all in those periods of time and then there's a lot of sitting down watching netflix or sitting in a car commuting or sitting on a train suddenly you're like oh wow there's yeah. not a lot going on there um yeah. so yeah you really have to make uh, make the time count and the reason why this is important is because as you get smaller and as your body gets more used to being in a deficit it will try and preserve energy so you will automatically start to move less and that's why keeping this as a habit and ingraining it early on is really really important that is a phenomenal point right so even You're very welcome <laughs> you use the word phenomenal <laughs> without you realizing it you will move less like if you're putting less fuel inside you which you will be if you're dieting there's less energy coming in so your body will look to conserve it and because you're kind of so it will do that in loads of different ways like one of them will be like driving hunger up like increasing your desire to eat so you have to come but you kind of you can recognize that but it's sneaky in how it all, it will almost like keep you sitting down, keep you not moving. It will be, it'll do anything it can to conserve energy and just being aware of that can be like a really powerful tool. I think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Number three, have a time frame. So I say this all the time. Dieting should be like robbing a bank, get in, get it done and get out again. So don't say, Oh, I'm just going on a diet. And then, have an end weight goal that you want to get to. And I see this so often with so many people, they'll be like, right, I'm, I want to get to, to say they start off at 75 kilos and they're right, right. I want to be 62 kilos and the diet will carry on going forever and ever and ever and ever until they get to 62 kilos rather than, and they might never get to 62 kilos rather than just being like, right, I'm going to diet for, 12 weeks. I'm going to see where I am. And then I'm going to maybe have a little break for a while, or I'm going to diet for six weeks. Then I'm going to have a weekend of what we would in the industry maybe call as a refeed or like a maintenance couple of weekends, um, maintenance weekend or a maintenance week. And then I'm going to diet again. The diet literally has no end point, which can feel really, really overwhelming. And some of these people are dieting for 20 years you know that diet literally never ends because the goal is always a figure it's always something that they attribute to that actual having that happiness um rather than having all right i'm going to do this for 12 weeks we'll see where we are at the end of the 12 weeks i can guarantee if i can stick to it for 12 weeks so it makes it a lot more achievable if you actually get that almost instant gratification of that shorter time frame, rather than, oh, well, you know what, we're just going to see how we go. 
okay, well, that just see how we go can easily turn into, oh yeah, I saw how we go. I sort of was trying to see how we went, but then we, my husband ordered fish and chips. So I just thought, fuck it. Whereas if you're thinking, okay, husband's ordered fish and chips. I've only got three more weeks of this diet and then I can have all the fish and chips I want. It actually just seems a lot easier. In fact, you can have the fish and chips anyway, if you want, when you're on the diet, if you've already done point number one, however, um, it just seems a lot more achievable. So I would definitely say, have a time frame. Don't see it as something you're going to do forever. Plan in a little bit of a diet break. Okay. Have a weekend where maybe there is something A-list going on. So you do actually up the calories a little bit and you have a weekend at maintenance and have a structured plan rather than an end weight goal or an end aesthetic results that you'd like to achieve. Because like Andy and, talk, and I talked about on the podcast about genetics, um, you might ever you might never reach that weight goal you want to reach because of your body composition or your genetics. And you might never reach that aesthetic goal you want to look like again because of your genetics. So yes, you yes, you will get there, but just be very realistic about your timeframes. A diet becomes a lot easier if you know you only have to knuckle down for a period of eight, 12, 16, 12, 16 weeks rather than oh, I'm just going to see how it goes. And then eight months in, you've kicked the fuck it bucket four times because you can't see the end. You feel like you're going to be doing this forever. Yeah, you're, you're trying to avoid either extreme. You don't want to do like the see how it goes. There's no end point and you're just kind of, yeah, rolling. Like weeks become months, months become years. And then suddenly you've been on and off diets for 40 years and it's yeah it's pretty soul destroying but equally you don't want to be so like right at 12 weeks i'm going to lose a stone i'm going to lose x amount there's no there's nothing harm there's no harm in aiming for it but not that shouldn't be like the driving focus so it, like i always come back to this the you know focus on the process and not the end result so if you have 12 weeks for example the weight at the end is something that you have very little control over. You have no control over it, really. All you can do, what you can, what you can control is like, you know, your actions. Like, do you turn up to the gym? Do you start tracking food? Do you start planning? Have you got a plan? So these are the things that, you know, they're, they're quite, yes, they're quite binary. You know, have you done it? Have you not? And the more, the, the, the greater amount of like ticks in the column, the better that result will be at the end of 12 weeks on the scales. But I'd like, so I've done this with clients before when they've literally uh, for like an eight week one, I remember where the guy didn't weigh himself at all. Wow. Could, interesting. Because he was of a mind. You tell me what to do. I'll do it. And then it'll be what it will be. Yeah. I love that. That's great. And, the, and there is a, the thing, what, what that needs though, is a, a couple of things. It needs faith in the process and trust in the coach we're currently posing for a uh, potential instagram snap i feel like <laughs> i was fit mate oh dear um yeah so i think the, the the scale weight or the scale goal always kind of rears its head right because people do do love it um but yeah i think if you're 12 weeks is a good amount of time right I'd, like that's yeah. that to me could be Within that, you're not just focusing on the diet either. You're like, right, for that 12-week plan, what am I going to do with my training? So that might be like two training cycles, two six-week training cycles yeah. within a 12-week diet. 
that's really smart because then you're not just focusing on 12 weeks time. You've got like a little kind of benchmarks and checkpoints within it. And you can start focusing on other things, you know, that, that aren't like calories. You can start focusing on like lifts or technique and things like that in the gym. Um, but yeah, some kind of time frame. And then what you do instead of just being like, right, 12 weeks done, you know, see you later. It's right. What's the next, what does the next phase look like? What am I going to do? Is it going well? Do we extend it to 16 weeks? Do we, do we have a diet break? Uh, do you look for a period of maintenance and all these things should be on the table. And I, and I actually, I quite like that because if you set the weight number, you feel like you're a slave to it until you hit it. Whereas Absolutely. actually you want to be, there's something really nice about finishing a phase and you've done, you've given it your all. So there's no, you know, the, the number is what the number is. And then it's like, right, what do I want to do now? And like having options and being able to select what you want to do is a really nice place to be rather than, oh my God, I finished two and a half pounds short. Yeah. Oh, I can't do Always it for another couple fun. of weeks. Yeah, yeah. It's not good. It's not yeah. fun. And also that place where you're happy might not be the weight goal you expect. This has happened to me a couple of times. Like I always chased a number, but then actually the place where my body was happiest and I felt the happiest and most confident. And I actually think I looked the best was a higher number than that. So yeah, just don't attach yourself too much to, to anything like that. Number four, successful dieters factor in the foods they love. Can I butt in here, mate? You may. So just to, so I'm, I want to make like a really short point about this and then I'll let you, I'll let you roll. So when I said earlier, if I just had person X, that I didn't know anything about what would I do? Mm. And it would be one, like get the diet basically sorted out and, and um, getting a calorie deficit. The next little branch down from that recommendation under diet and nutrition would be factor in foods that you enjoy slash love. Because if you can, so if you can construct a diet that gets you in a deficit while you're eating the foods that you enjoy, you'll stick to it. And any diet that promotes adherence is a winner. Absolutely. Full stop. That's could it. You be Andy, could you be adherent to a diet that wouldn't let you have, I'm trying to think, what your pizza? So, so the honest answer to that is yes, I could, but not you for want a... to. <laughs> Come on. No, of course, of course. I so if I gave to. you two diets, right, and one I said you could lose weight and have pizza, and one I said you could lose weight and you can't have pizza, I don't need to. An, I don't need to answer that question because it's just so glaringly obvious. Exactly. Get me, um, down, get me down, Chibos immediately. <laughs> so, how do you do this? First of all, you practice unconditional permission to eat, in that you approach every situation knowing that you have complete permission to eat that food you are an adult you can eat whatever you want to eat whenever you want it however you have a goal so eating that food comes at a cost it doesn't mean that you can't be flexible with it like I talked at, talked about in point one it might be the difference between having a whole pizza or having half a pizza with a massive plate of salad yeah if you can still have pizza all right you just have to think about the choice, all right? And in that point, in that moment, make the choice you're happiest with. Um, practicing other mindful eating practices. So actually paying attention to the foods you are eating. What do you love about the foods? What do you not love about the foods? Think about what is important 
to you with the foods you enjoy, which is going to make it a lot easier for you to prioritize what foods are important to you. And it makes it a lot easier to say no to things that are what I would call necessarily empty calories when you're dieting. So for example, a biscuit, when you make a cup of tea in the office or um, a slice of cake for Jean's birthday, when you don't actually like Jean anyway, you think she's a bit of a knobhead. Um, (laughs) He's chucking over there. You know what I mean? So I know, for example, that I would rather prioritize my glass of wine on a Friday night and a half a tub of low calorie ice cream on a Sunday with Jack when we're watching dinner, when we're watching TV, because that's a moment that I want to share with him. I know he's going to be eating something less than optimal as well. And I'd like to be able to participate in that behavior because the moment to me is more important. So that is what I will prioritize. It makes it a lot easier for me to say no to the chocolates when they come around at the gym, because I'm like, do you know what? I have a bit of a plan. I don't really want that right now. I'm not going to enjoy it as much as what I'm going to enjoy on Saturday. And I really need that fucking glass of wine when I get to Friday night because my clients have all driven me mad. No, they don't. I love my clients. But do you see what I mean? All right. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's how that looks. Factoring in foods that you love. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't think so with that one. I just I suppose we get this is one of those things that we've probably been doing it for so long. And we've kind of seen the light in terms of uh, flexible dieting and yeah, including foods that are, you know, quote unquote, less than optimal. Um, but I, like my, my thought process on this has just completely changed from when I first got into training where I thought, you know, I, I, I mean, we've spoken about this before, but like I was, I did cut everything out. Oh, I did, same, I, did same. I did I did that kind of like this you know the six week crash clean diet eating. clean eating yeah like so no you know no processed food no caffeine oh why would you For, do that that's mental could you imagine that now yeah well maybe it wasn't no caffeine but it was things like like I wouldn't have like normal tea it'd be like green tea because I didn't think that you know like tea was acceptable yeah it's just mad, like complete madness everything no, organic know. spending a fortune um but actually, like, like, don't get me wrong, like food quality is important, but I just think it, there's a section of people that take it to the, to the extreme or the nth degree, and it makes the whole process a lot harder than it needs to be. And actually, the people that we work with, they definitely, they don't want to hear, right, you're going to have boiled chicken, boiled broccoli, yeah, and you've got to have, you know, you can't have white rice. Because for some reason, like someone's decided that's not good for you. <laughs> Newsflash, that's rubbish. But hey, we all believed it for a while. Um, yeah, do you know what I mean? It's just, if you're if you're kind of still in that place where you're kind of like, you know, cutting out foods or cutting out food groups, there there is another way. And that way is a, a lot easier and more delicious. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, last one, <clears throat> excuse me, on the five things successful dieters do. Number five accept there will be setbacks so whether that is scale fluctuations so if you are monitoring your weight via the scales accept that it is going to jump up okay um you could do everything right for three days 
you could your weight could actually jump up half a kilo for reasons that are way beyond your control. You are going to have un- unforeseen circumstances. You are going to eat out and maybe there isn't the choice that you decided to have on the menu. Maybe you do go out and you have one too many glasses of wine and you're at a buffet and there's only beige food. There's no protein source or you overconsume a little bit on the chocolate or accept that these things happen but you are not the product of the last decision you made around food every single moment you have a choice to move closer to or further than away further away from your goal so successful dieters accept that this is going to happen um they also accept that they still are going to have poor body image days Um, I've spoken about this before on the podcast, like, especially as a woman, and I can only speak from my experience. I'd love to actually hear a male perspective about this, Andy. I think it's really interesting. Like, especially the week before my period, I generally try not to look in the mirror because I will notice that I'm a little bit bloated. I will start to try and pick apart my body and it just doesn't do me any good. I know exactly why I'm bloated. I know exactly why I'm feeling like that, but it's very, very easy to get pulled down that hole of, oh, I'm trying everything I can. And I just, all oh, these jeans look horrible and I'm really bloated and I don't want to wear that tight top. Well, don't wear that tight top, wear things that make you feel good. But even when you reach your goal, when you see that number on the scales, if that's what you're going for, if you have that, achieve that aesthetic that you've always wanted, it doesn't mean you're suddenly going to fall in love with your body. So it's really important to accept that even when you have the body that you've always wanted, you are still going to have poor body image days and successful dieters commit to the relationship with their body but also accept their body and actually start to understand it. They start to um, neutralize it in a way rather than just picking it apart. Maybe they are started training as well. So they actually are starting to appreciate it a bit more. I don't like using the phrase body positivity because whilst I think it's important to be positive about our body, I also know that's very unrealistic. So it doesn't happen all the time. Um, three out of four weeks, I think I'm absolutely banging, but one week, hmm, not so much. So, you know, that one week, I'm not going to stand there and go, yes, queen, look at you, your body's so fabulous because I don't actually feel that way. So, you know, it happens. Um, How do you feel about that? Do men feel the same kind of thing? Uh, I mean, I can only speak for myself. I don't want to represent men as a whole. Well, yeah, you do. You speak on a podcast though, mate. You are going to represent men. Well, I, I would say... I find that how you frame that, like p- poor body image days, quite interesting. Yeah. So like, so it's just that that's just I hadn't I haven't heard. Uh, you probably have said it like that before, but just in this context, like you're going to have poor. So you can be in a really good place of your body and still have days where you look in the mirror and you're less than satisfied. Yeah. I think that's that's quite. I find that quite encouraging to hear. Mm. I'm trying to think like what people would think if they heard that, would they be disheartened? Would they, because th- I always think about that when people have that end goal in mind, they think it's going to be every day's amazing rainbows, sunshine, angels Absolutely. singing, just like, it'll be like the, you know, uh, some kind of Nirvana when it's probably not going to be like that. So I find that quite, um, quite re- a refreshing take. I would say a ditto and I echo what you said about body positivity as well. I think it's one of them things that, 
when it first came out, I was like, this is great. This is good. We need a bit more of this. And then it's like, whoa, slow down. Like <laughs> it's gone. It's gone to the nth degree now. Um, acceptance in general. So whether that's, a, a, you know, regarding scale fluctuations or things that come up in the diet or just like your body image as a whole, acceptance in general is like one of the hardest things going. It's, it's not easy. There's a reason why, uh, you know, Buddhists speak about this and it's like a key tenant of like meditation. It's like bringing yourself back to the present, not resisting and pushing against stuff, just kind of things you can't control just let it be and things exactly. things kind of things will be as they will be and just being and it, it doesn't mean i've heard this described before it doesn't mean you it's not like mere acceptance it doesn't mean you're just like oh well it is what it is and you kind of get frustrated with it it's just sitting and being comfortable with it uh, and that's quite a that's quite a difficult thing to do um taking it back to something like scale fluctuations this is something that like i said it's like process just focus on the process and because you're not special so everyone has scale fluctuations but when people when people see it for themselves when you start doing like a daily weighing for example like god i bounce all over the place and i'm like yeah everyone does yeah you know different slightly different ranges slightly different patterns but everyone does and like in terms of unforeseen circumstances there's a there is that kind of underlying I mean, we've all done this, right? That kind of the in what you'll think in your head will be, this isn't fair. That's the the talk that will go on, and that's the self talk. This isn't fair. Why has my boss made me stay late? Why hasn't Max slept? Why hasn't da 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 da? And it's like, ah, oh, it's just because this is where acceptance. Why comes hasn't in. Sweaty Betty started sponsoring me yet? Why isn't there a Sweaty Barry line <laughs> for men that I can invest in? Lulu lime, <laughs> Lulu potato. <laughs> right, you're at next level there. Yeah, um, it's it's hard. It, it is hard, and it's something that yeah, it it does take. I just think it takes like a level of of maturity. And by the way, like I say this, like you know, like I know something, but there'll be plenty of times when I will do this. But it's trying to like when you have moments like that, like this is what this to me is kind of what this is like successful daughters or just people that are kind of emotionally um, mature in life. We all have like instinctive reactions to you know things we don't like or something doesn't go our way. The people that kind of uh, will have a better time of it as a whole will be the ones that can either a move on from it, just okay, that's like you know like someone cuts you up. What do you do? You're like, it happened. Or do you chase them for two miles shouting and swearing at them? You know, (laughs) like, I mean, it's it's something as simple as that. Or you can act like you can have this terrible reaction. You don't have that like outward, like burst of anger, but you feel it inside and you're like, you beat yourself up. And and this is the kind of more destructive um, side of how like we, how we deal with this kind of stuff. We kind of internalize it. We chew on it. We sleep on it we stress about it but again it's having that awareness to 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 see that happening so it might take you a week or maybe you sit down and talk to someone maybe you sit down and you talk with a therapist and you're like oh man like last monday like i was just chewing you know so so perfect example like me being late for penny or like missing that session once it's happened i can do nothing about it so why did i spend like five six hours of that day turning it over oh well if i'd have set my alarm oh if i'd have gone to bed a bit earlier 
oh, if I'd have just gotten up that, well, what are you talking about? Well, this is helping no one no. at all. So this is what I mean about we all do it, but it's just like, do you know what? That's done now. Let's move on. Let's set my alarm in future. <laughs> things are going to be fine. Um, but yeah, uh, acceptance in general, but especially when you're dieting. And let's be, let's be honest, trying to practice and being all Zen and practicing acceptance when you're hungry and you're dieting and you're, 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 you've been at it for a while is hard. Oh, absolutely. It's a lot harder to, to get to that place. It's a lot easier if you do the first four things I've discussed, though. Yeah, I mean, so like kind of not spoiler, but these all feed into each other. Yeah. Like they yeah. all, there's there's kind of overlap there. Because um, like even like one and two, like we talk about like planning and then keeping active outside of training. You, you can plan to do that. <laughs> like you can plan to so like that kind of is like two two for the price of one and the accepting that there will be setbacks it's like you can't really do anything about that like you can you basically like you try you follow the plan you follow the plan as closely as you can and accept the fact that you might do everything by the book and some something's going to come out of left field and you can yeah. do nothing about it and yep. it's fine absolutely fine absolutely fine yeah, so they are my five top tips. Do you want to just run through them quickly? Yeah, so just to reiterate, number one, plan, plan, plan. Number two, keep active outside of your training. If you're training, if you're not training, just keep active. Number three, have a time frame. Let's have an end goal, a, a, a period of time rather than a result or weight specific result. Factor in the foods that you love and accept that there will be setbacks. And all you do with those five things is rinse and repeat. <laughs> do it indefinitely. Just do it. You'll be just fine. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's me, Rambo, mic drop, boom. You can leave now, mate. I've got it from here. Could do with a wee. <laughs> oh, here it is. Tim, what number did you have down on your <laughs> on your podcast bingo? Tim said, Tim, one of my clients, oh, listeners out there, you're probably quite familiar with Tim. We've mentioned, mentioned him a few times. Tim said to me today, starting taking bets on when you're going to need to go to the toilet. I was like, yeah, thanks. I'm hoping Andy just styles it out one day, but he keeps mentioning it. <laughs> I feel like what we could do is in the Facebook group, we put like, we do some kind of uh, sweepstake and then yes. like, the, the, the closest to get it's like something yes but like i a, mean when does it start from from when i like lift from my chair and leave the room yeah it's, it's the moment you basically uh, take the headphones okay, out cool, i feel like cool, yeah yeah cool. um do you actually need to go <laughs> or should I mean, we I can hold on a bit longer um yeah let's see let's hold on tim <laughs> put the uh put the timer back on <laughs> um so this is moving on to my my little proposal so i mentioned this in the last podcast and it's um i'm going to talk a little bit about lower back pain and one of the reasons why i wanted to talk about this is i think it affects a, a lot of people um so cl obviously clients there'll be people that come to the gym um because they have lower back pain and they're trying to they're trying to strengthen it there might be people that when we go through the consultation well, they'll just want to be losing a bit of weight and i'll say do you have any injuries or any aches pains and you know you might get oh my knee you might get shoulder but a lot of the time it will be lower back so it affects so if you don't suffer lower back pain yourself i would say there's a decent chance you know someone who does i think that would be that'd be fair um and i think 
like with a lot of things in the kind of diet and training world, there, there are quite a few common misconceptions and some of it is some of it's just because there are things that are said that become ingrained and it just becomes the accepted wisdom but actually when you get someone like what we're going to talk about now when you get people that dig through the data and look at research and actually look at what does correlate with uh back pain or or positive experiences and recovery from back pain it might not quite tally with what you hear uh, what you hear in the gym so this one isn't on the list as such but for lower back pain one a common one i would hear all the time is like well don't do deadlifts don't you know don't do any you know don't basically don't lift heavy um whereas i would say the maybe not the complete opposite but i would say strengthening your back through lifting and loading is kind of one of the points is probably going to be a good thing that's probably gonna we kind of look at the literature and the science that might show the complete opposite but anyway i digress um so this come this was posted uh, by a guy that I follow on Facebook called Lars Abamarie, uh, and he, he is good follow. So he kind of his background is like I've talked about him a little bit before. His background is he's particularly interested in like the science of pain and how we experience like pain, whether it's like lower back pain, knee pain, injuries, this kind of thing. So I think he's a physio himself. So he's kind of his big concern really is like how do we treat clients, patients. And how do we rehabilitate them? Like, what should we be telling them? What should we be encouraging? And also, what should we be, you know, what myths should we be dispelling? Um, so I'm just going to read out. So I'm gonna, we'll stick in the, in the show notes. There's a link to a, um, there's a link to the journal article, which is in the British Journal of Sports Medicine, where this was taken from. But he has a little preamble on Facebook, and I'm just going to read out a little bit of that now so i quote in this editorial infographic we identified 10 common unhelpful beliefs about lower back pain and outline how they may influence behavioral and psychological responses to pain we counter the important facts about lower back uh, we counter with 10 important facts about lower back pain calling on clinicians to incorporate these into their interactions with patients so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today on the podcast and just broadening that out a little bit he goes on to say quote unhelpful beliefs may lead to unhelpful behaviors such as avoiding normal spine postures i.e slouch sitting movement flexing of the spine and meaningful activities i.e spine loading physical activities social activities and activities of our daily living or work unhelpful beliefs may also lead to unhelpful protective behaviors such as muscle guarding bracing core muscles and slow and cautious movement further they may lead to a person to opt for more biomedical and or invasive interventions in an attempt to ease symptoms and fix postural faults so Yes. So kind of like to sum up what he's saying there, it's just, if you, if you have this mindset of, you know, like I, I better avoid activity and you kind of, your first port of call is, is surgery that there might be like a bunch of other steps before that, that could potentially be helpful uh, to alleviating the pain. And it's just kind of knowing what to do. And I suppose alleviating some of the fear around that, that fear of like, you, you might make it worse. Like the fear of like, if I do, if I start going to the gym, I'm going to make things worse. Um, so these are the 10 facts um depending on time and kind of how it's going i might not go for all 10 but there's some there's a few in here that i think are just 
a kind of like must cover. So the first two or group them together. Fact one, lower back pain is not a serious life-threatening medical condition. That's a good thing. Fact two, most episodes of lower back pain improve and lower back pain does not get worse as we age. Now, I would say that one is most certainly a common misconception. So it's not, it doesn't mean it, it won't get worse, but aging in itself does not mean that your back pain is going to get worse. Like, absolutely. It, the, I would, so like, I would, so there's no correlation with that, right? So if you, I would argue the reason why lower back pain may get worse as we age is because people avoid doing the things that could potentially strengthen it as opposed to, oh, well, you know, I'm 50 now, I'm 60 now, I can't, I can't do this. Unless there's some like pre-existing injury or you've had surgery or there's been something there, something that you know is structural that's been, um, uh, like impeded but even then like there's there's ways you can strengthen it to get back to a um to a kind of to a base level yeah and I think just to add like I don't want to add too much but I think it's that vicious cycle of not doing anything and aging is almost just a, an absolute recipe for disaster yeah 100 percent, 100 percent um and kind of like linking to that i suppose fact three so this one is like this one is huge a negative mindset fear avoidance behavior negative recovery expectations and poor pain coping behaviors are more strongly associated with persistent pain than is tissue damage and I, I would say, mate, wouldn't you agree? We hear this all the time in the gym. It's that what I refer to as writing your own narrative, writing your own narrative all the time. Um, I've got really bad lower back pain. Okay, right now? Mm, no. Okay, so <laughs> like, why don't we just like get moving and see how we go? Because I always say, and I've said it a million times on this pod, in the gym, we can keep you safe. It's life that will fuck you. <laughs> in the gym, <laughs> we can keep you in planes of movement and ranges of motion that are going to help with loads that are relative to you that will help to strengthen those muscles. But do not write your own narrative and get pulled down a hole of I've got lower back pain and it does not become who you are or define you. Yeah, I mean, the, the hour you spend in the gym each week will probably be the most predictable hour for your body going. Yeah. Just just kind of like the amount of people that kind of wake up and like, oh, slept funny. I slept funny. Yeah. Well, guess what? If you're working with me and Rambo, you're not going to be lifting funny. You'll be fine. <laughs> Absolutely so, not. Um, yeah, I just, and it, this, is, this is a really tricky one. You can file this one under misreporting of calories as a tricky one to bring up with clients because if you're if you're the one who's feeling it and me or you come along and be like hey you just need to change your mindset around it <laughs> like, like we like we wouldn't we wouldn't say it like that but the pain that someone feels is real but it's not the chances are it's not this structural abnormality or deficiency that they have maybe worked it up into being and like, you're right, Ramba, like when you ask someone when they come in the gym, like what we, what we took, you know, out of 10, 10 is you cannot move because the pain is so excruciating. One is absolutely fine. You know, if someone comes into the gym, I mean, this is kind of subjective, right? But if someone comes into the gym and they're at seven or eight, you're probably not going to train them. Yeah. 
I think we covered, we talked a bit about this before, haven't we? Like, Are you at least not going to do anything that ags the, right, the lower back? Yeah, it's going to be, you might have to rethink your session with them then yeah. if, if they come in and that's the case. But I, it doesn't mean you should be all like positive and, oh yeah, my back's going to be fine. It's all going to be good. And it all kind of, um, kind of that extreme of it. But like you, the, the writing your own narrative, I really like that. I think that's because you can get, people get lost in a vacuum and don't get me wrong. It can be like being injured, not being able to train. It can be incredibly frustrating and it's, and I don't, and it's, it's absolutely natural to feel down about it. But like, it's kind of knowing that all is not lost. And unless you've been involved in like, there's some kind of impact where the wall, yeah, potentially there is like structural damage. The chances are it's not. The chances are it's not something that can't be fixed or rehabbed with um, just with time and, and correct kind of exercise prescription. Um, which one shall I move on to now? Um, go on, Rambo. Uh, right everyone set the that's the time so whatever whatever it says on your on your podcast i'm gonna have to find this now when i edit when i do the uh the notes of this on sunday yeah we'll publish we'll publish it right crack on okay i'm cracking on um okay i'll rattle through this one quite quickly as rambo has just left us um fact four scans do not turn do not determine prognosis of the current episode of lower back pain the likelihood of future lower back pain disability and do not improve lower back pain clinical outcomes so this is kind of what i was just saying like if you're i think think nine times out of ten like what a scan will do it's it's almost to rule out anything untoward so again if you've been in some kind of um you know if you've been in a car accident and suddenly you've got like severe pain where you didn't have it before having an x-ray or having a scan is probably a good idea um but it even that like again i think the experience that i've had personally working with clients when they have scans are things come back inconclusive or at least i'll put a positive spin on it and be like well at least there's nothing there that's um you know, where you're going to need surgery. So again, generally that's a good thing, but then the, the problem with that, that leads to, oh, well, if there's nothing structurally wrong, well, what the hell do I do? Well, it's kind of like, see the previous point, stay positive with it, be patient. And then again, adopt a more kind of holistic approach to it where, you know, you take a bit of time, you slowly look to add load and add movement and strengthen over a course of weeks and months. And then hopefully, even if that pain never goes away, it never gets up to that kind of like seven, eight, nine, where it was previously. Um, moving on to fact number five, as Rambo re-enters the conversation. Like you um, don't have to. Sorry, mate. Uh, <laughs> well, I've just covered four briefly. Um, right. So I'm going to group a couple together. So, Fact five is graduated exercise and movement in all directions is safe and healthy for the spine. And fact number eight is spine movement and loading is safe and builds structural resilience when it is graded. Rambo, thoughts on those two? Um, absolutely. In fact, I think graduated exercise, first of all, everybody should be doing graduated exercise. So no one should be going and moving loads that aren't, that haven't been progressed through. Um, movement in all directions, I would actually say is safe, healthy, necessary for the spine because that is functional to life. So you shouldn't just be moving forward and backwards or side to side. And this is actually quite hard um, as PTs as well, because generally 
machines are very fixed in um, planes of motion and to actually get someone moving in different ranges of um, in different planes of motion can be quite difficult. So we're thinking more like Turkish get ups, more kind of um, God, they're the only thing that really spring to mind. There are loads of other things anyway. Um, but yeah, things that you can then safely load as well. So yeah, definitely, completely. Um, definitely build structural resilience when it's graded as well. And like I say, I think that applies to everybody, just not people with lower back pain. So no one should be going in and trying to pick up a heavy deadlift without actually working up to it. Yeah, I think that's the kind of the the two words from each each fact there, like graduated and graded. Like it's not just gear, yeah, like you said, go in and lift as heavy as you can. But I think that that perception that there's certain movements or certain exercises that are quote unquote bad, oh, that's bad for the back. That's bad for the knees. Oh yeah, knees don't go over toes. That's bad for the knees. Like mm. these are things. This is what I mean by like um, when I opened, we're talking about like common misconceptions. If you if you hear that enough you will start to believe it. And then when you do squat a little bit deeper or do a deadlift, you go for the back almost like instinctively. Do you know what I mean? It's just, if you think you're, it's almost like if you're over a deadlift thinking, I'm going to hurt myself, I'm going to hurt myself, I'm going to hurt myself. The chance of you feeling pain go up if you're telling yourself that as you lift it. Um, so yeah, like this is where I think, this is where like kind of working with a professional or if you're not sure, um, yeah, I mean, I would I would say work with a professional, work with a trainer, and get them to just put in put a plan in place that once you kind of feel comfortable with the movements, then it's just a course of over time gradually adding load and just getting stronger and and more resilient through that range of movement. Um, moving on, I love this one. Fact six: spine posture during sitting, standing, and lifting does not predict lower back pain or its persistence. So just briefly on this we're all different we all look different there is there is textbook form and who doesn't love to see that like someone looking absolutely pristine ticking all the boxes like how you know how we were taught but guess what you get in the real world and the someone who's five foot four and built like a little tank is probably gonna squat a bit differently from the guy who's six foot seven and has got the body shape of a basketball player like they're going to look different. Their leverages are different. Their limb length is different. Their injury history is different. Their relative strength is different. Their flexibility, mobility, you get the idea. We get everything is different. So they're going to look different. And there's everything else in between. And you can get those people in the gym who have got like, uh, done, there is a, I suppose there is a distinction between like lifting with shit form and just postural um, differences, right? like ego lifting one rep max in and suddenly like your deadlift looks completely different from when you're doing the, the the lead up sets to it maybe don't do that but generally speaking if you slouch a little bit that that's not like a, a death sentence for your back do you know what i mean yeah it's it's just because if if it's been fine for you know if you get someone come to the gym and they're in their 50s and their back's been absolutely fine and maybe they've done some gardening and now it's a bit sore and a bit stiff and they've gone to see the physio and the physio is like, I tell you what, your, your posture's fucked. Uh, that's what it is. It's like, well, it's been all right for 50 years. It's like what but we talked about um, when we were talking about um, Michael Phelps and Michael Jordan. Beautiful Michael Johnson. example. Yeah, yeah. Like beautiful example. Posture does not define like 
yeah, how what, how you're going to have pain or if you're even going to have pain. No, it's it's just not like, will it predict how you lift? That's a different that's a different question. Yeah. Like if someone's got like, uh, you know, um, like that kind of kyphotic rounded back posture, they might have a harder time getting a bar on there to do a back squat. It might feel incredibly uncomfortable. So then maybe you don't back squat with them. <laughs> maybe you do a goblet squat. But it, that doesn't mean, oh, well, you know, if, he, if that guy does squats, if that back's not straight, if he can't like flatten that back out, he's going to get, it's going to be painful. It's, yeah. It's not how it goes. Yeah. That's not how, and what it, what it ends up doing, and this can be really detrimental, people who don't have perfect posture will stop coming to the gym because it's like, oh, well, that's for people that move perfectly with perfect form all the time. Oh, I, I shouldn't do that. It's dangerous for me. Absolutely. That's, that's the danger of it. That's the, yeah, that's a real shame when that happens. Absolutely. Yeah, completely agree, mate. Fact seven. This is, a, this is an absolute classic, by the way. Fact seven. A weak core does not cause lower back pain. And some people with lower back pain tend to over-tense their core muscles. While it is good to keep the trunk muscles strong, it is also helpful to relax them when they aren't needed. Absolutely love that point so this yeah. is basically me when I, when I went to see james um james boyd can't remember the episode number physio absolute main man at coru highly recommend when i had uh some like low yeah i've got like lower back stiffness lower back pain let's call it bunch of range of movement a few kind of few little tests kind of has a little feel around like everything's all good i'm like yeah happy days and then he just gets me to like start doing um like a really basic kind of like yoga move like the like the cat cow position but like really focusing like tucking my tailbone underneath and basically just kind of trying to get some movement in the lower back he's like oh it's quite sticky in here like just try moving it when i left there bearing in mind he's done essentially like no like tissue manipulation anything crazy my back feels better now look i know james is good but he's not he's not dumbledore he's not <laughs> really what he's done there is he's given me something i know kind of what's going on i, I kind of get where he's coming from because he's right he's like oh, if any, yeah because and i've been told that before if anything like you're a little bit too stiff like you need to be able to like loosen up a bit so he's given me something that i can work on right trying to isolate that lower part of the back and just get it moving but really what he's done is kind of reassure me that, oh, you're, mate, you move really well. You look good. Good strength in there. Yeah, nice posture. Blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I feel, I feel a bit. And I'm walking out of there, like, bounding down the road. It's all up. It's all upstairs. It's oh, absolutely. All, it's, it's all up top. But just to get someone who, again, who's a professional, who I trust, to give me that feedback is like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm on the right lines. Did you just create your own narrative there? Is that what happened? Uh, I think it is. Exactly <laughs> what happened, <laughs> um, yeah, really, really true one. Um, I think there's too much. I mean, I've spoke about this before. The core almost gets overemphasized when it comes to lower back pain. And you say, don't you, your core and your is everything from like, I say your, your um, knockers to your knees, yeah. <laughs> but like it is, it's that whole midline area, but it also includes your lats, your hamstrings, your glutes. Like there's a lot going on there um, that can actually really help that core stability and that will help protect. Again, I say protect loosely, protect those back muscles. 
yeah so we're promoting like resistance training in these in kind of big compound movements which which is a lot of you know like bracing the core or holding certain positions so if you train a lot if you're you know you're training multiple times a week the chances are you could do with a bit more of the mobility side of things just getting things moving like like again like yoga is great for this like trying to breathe into a position rather than forcing yourself into a position which again when i when i started doing yoga like years ago that became so apparent that it's like i can get into positions but i'm bracing and tensing when really i should be able to hold that whilst breathing and relaxing yeah and it's just a different it's just like you come from a different place if you spend all your time in a gym you just get so used to like bracing that that becomes the default when you're at home and you're sat down you want to be relaxed and you want yeah. to let the muscles move yeah. um fact number nine pain flare-ups are more related to changes in activity stress and mood rather than structural damage i mean i'd I love that so true i love so true. i love I, that. I would actually change pain flare-ups i would actually put that in parentheses word of the podcast <laughs> christelle um i would put that in parentheses and then put, that's brackets sorry that was really patronizing <laughs> i'm really sorry cheers rambo thanks for clearing that up <laughs> um i would put that to scale fluctuations um i would change that to um emote like um overeating episodes i would say uh periods of weight gain over long over many many years <laughs> um there's so much you could put in there yeah 100% i think the but knowing that though, uh, th this is where like, if you, it, again, this is this more kind of like holistic approach to things. So like if someone goes and see a physio with a pain flare up, they're thinking my back's broken yeah. in two. Whereas actually like what James or maybe like a, a good physio that kind of takes this broader approach will be like, how are you sleeping? What have you been doing? Have you done anything differently? Oh, the training volume's gone up a bit. How's that been? Oh, you got a new kid. How old? Oh, one. Getting a lot of sleep? Oh, no, a bit of a night. Okay. And you suddenly start you start building this picture and you're like, oh, I mean, it could be that you've, you know, quote unquote, slipped a disc, but it's more likely that you're just under-recovered. You haven't recovered from the sessions properly. And maybe you are just like a bit run down. Maybe there is a little bit of inflammation there, but it's not this structural damage slash injury that's going to need like surgery or like intensive rehab and physio it's probably just like mm, you need to manage your energy better for example um i don't think he listens so hopefully he won't mind won't call him by name we were talking about deloads last week weren't we yeah and i mentioned someone in the gym that had been saying training was catching up with them body felt a little bit wrecked went to deadlift this week didn't he and put his back out uh after not taking a deload <laughs> so it's just interesting how your body does manifest life stresses in certain ways and eventually if you don't give the body what it needs which a lot of the time is rest recovery time to bring that stress level down it will manifest itself in a physical form yeah and to refer to your point earlier on about acceptance accepting that you need to rest yeah very difficult for people that love training to do that but yeah. you know please try um last one fact 10 
I mean, this again, this sums it up for me pretty nicely. Effective care for lower back pain is relatively cheap and safe. So this is a good thing, everyone. This includes education that is patient-centered and fosters a positive mindset and coaching people to optimize their physical and mental health in brackets, such as engaging in physical activity and exercise, social activities, healthy sleep habits, and body weight and remaining in employment <laughs> so not jacking in the job <laughs> for the for the sake of this uh, pursuit um yeah again like kind of to kind of overuse a word the i would call that the holistic approach in yeah. a nut in a nutshell so it's it's looking let's go right back to the start of the podcast like looking at the planning like looking at looking step back and look at your week as a whole at the moment like does it are you training enough? Are you training too much? Are you getting, what's the, you know, what's the diet like? Is that, is, is your diet promoting recovery, i.e. protein content? This all feeds into each other. <laughs> nice. Rambo's added personal responsibility. Don't be a dick to this, uh, to this post, which, which to be fair is, is fair. Um, but yeah, I think, I suppose like to, just to kind of sum up my thought, my thoughts on it. I think that part, the first part of fact 10 lower back pain is relatively like care for it is relatively cheap and safe. I think I would add on to that. It is cheap and it is safe, but you need a good serving of patients within that. Um, and knowing that it might not be, if you do go into a see like a physio or a chiropractor, when they kind of like, you know, if a chiropractor like clicks your back, that's not them putting your spine, you know, oh, my spine's back in line now. Like I won't get any pain. If this manifested because of a bunch of like, um, kind of social, physical, psychological reasons, you're not going to like, you won't be fixed after a session with a physio or fixed after a session with a Cairo. The chances are this is like a long-term stress management getting all your ducks in a row, looking at things holistically and, and actually being quite honest with yourself about what needs to change or what needs to help. And I mean, the sleep thing is like, we probably haven't mentioned this for a couple of podcasts around, but this is where why sleep is so important and plays such a massive role in this because that is your body's opportunity to repair and recover, kind of readying you for the, the next session or the next working day. Yeah, and um, like you can put in all the work in the gym, have the most perfect nutrition, but if you don't give your body what it needs in terms of recovery and you don't grow in the gym, you grow when you're asleep. Um, yeah, your, your results are going to be really, really frustratingly slow. Yeah. In fact, you might even see any. Absolutely. Absolutely, mate. I bloody loved that. <laughs> You look very pleased with yourself, I've got to say. I like I feel proper smug right now. I really, really, really enjoyed that. I can't wait for my sweaty Barry sponsorship to come in. I'm psyched. I'm, I'm, str I'm straight on that after here. <laughs> um, love that, mate. Love hearing you talk about um lower back pain as well. You're uh, very passionate about it. Yeah, I think it's you know, it's like with anything if you've experienced it yourself you I, I mean i see loads of that in myself like what i used to believe and like thinking it was like oh i'm not gonna be able to do this not gonna be able to do that it's just managing it like honestly like the times where it's been worse i've been a dick yeah 
pushed too hard, done, done something that like, oh, does that aggravate it? Yeah, so I tried it again. Maybe don't do that anymore. <laughs> like sometimes it doesn't take like, it's hard to apply this stuff to yourself sometimes, but this is where like having some kind of impartial coach, friend, bystander to just give you the give you a bit of a heads up is uh yeah it's invaluable absolutely absolutely right um, i yeah. need a wee now so oh you I'm need gonna... a wee now yeah, i've just posted bit... the uh new not another fitness podcast sweepstake on the group so Excellent yeah news. i feel like uh this was a long one today mate. it was a really long one i'm sorry an hour almost an hour and a half Jesus. I know, but sorry, it was... sorry everyone. <laughs> no, don't apologize. Lots of good stuff in there, lots of good takeaways. So thank you. If you've made it this far, thank you. We hope you, we've uh, kept you entertained. A, give yourself a pat on the back and go to the toilet immediately. <laughs> like, treat, oh, this is like treat, a treat yourself. Yeah, that this anyone that does this in one go is an absolute gem. So <laughs> trooper, absolute trooper. Um, as always, if you've enjoyed it, please post about it, share it tell other people about it write us a review on apple podcasts it helps people get it out to more people and we will catch you next week looking forward to it mate take yeah. it easy bye-bye bye-bye thank you for listening to the not another fitness podcast if you'd like to join our ever-growing community please log on to facebook and request to join the not another fitness podcast group We really do appreciate all the feedback that you take the time to send myself and Andy and you'll find our contact details in the Facebook group. If you want to inquire with either of us about working with us directly, send us a little email. If you have time to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the bottom, give us a five-star rating and jot down your thoughts in a little review. If you're listening via any other podcast provider, please just share it to your socials as it really does help get our little podcast out to more people. 